Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead, after being knocked down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My friends, my guest today is Jordan Lee Dooley. Now, for those of you that don't know who she is, you're about to get to know more about her in just a moment. But she knows firsthand how devastating it can be when you almost achieve a goal, a goal, almost reach a dream, or almost get to where you want to be, only to land just short of the finish line or watch it all fall apart at the last minute. Disrupted, delayed, or even seemingly destroyed, dreams have a way of making us rethink everything, don't they? But perhaps rethinking dreams is not always the worst thing. In those moments, we have a chance to pause and consider what matters most to you in a world that's constantly telling you what you should want or should do or how you should think. Believe it or not, it is possible to cultivate a life you like and that you want and one where you can succeed the right way in the tension of the middle between where you started and where you hope to be. In my guest Jordan's brand new book, Embrace Your Almost, Find Clarity and Contentment in the In-Betweens, Not Quite and Unknowns, she really dives into practical steps to move forward when your plans don't go seemingly according to plan. And and Jordan and I do share some things in this book that I think are going to help many, many of you that might be struggling with that period of why didn't this happen when I wanted it to happen. But for those of you that don't know who Jordan is, she's a national bestselling author of Own Your Every Day. She's the host of the top-rated podcast, She... She is also the founder of Own It Academy, a digital education company, and Soul Scripts, a words company known for its phrase, your brokenness is welcome here. A big dreamer, ruthless planner, and ambitious go-getter, and you'll hear pretty much all those things during this conversation. 
Jordan has learned firsthand how setbacks, broken plans, and just disrupted dreams provide us an opportunity to be clarif- clarify the path forward and to live out what we truly value in a world of overwhelming options and demands. I hope that you guys can help support Jordan and all her all the wonderful things that she's doing by going and getting a copy of a brand new book, Embrace Your Almost. The link will be in the show notes below for all, for all of you guys to go on and help support her. But also don't forget that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-order. It will be an audio book too, but I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes below for each and every one of you to show your support uh, to me and uh, you support yourself too because the book is really a helpful guide for you guys. So my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to embrace all those almosts, not quites, those in-betweens and those un- unknowns as we journey into the story box today and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice and the stories of none other than Jordan Lee Dooley. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And what an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that was a short introduction. I could have gone a lot longer, trust me. Uh, but it's so good to have you here. Uh, like I said in, in the intro, I have been following your, your incredible work for quite some time now and have wanted to actually unbox more of your story, which is I believe is pretty incredible because at age 25, you pretty much had it all, right? You had the the fame, the success, you're, you're bursting at the seams with everything and it all just came to you pretty quickly. Is that right? Yeah, you know, on paper, it really seemed like it. I think um, I kind of stumbled into small business. It was kind of a hobby in college and it just started to really take off online. And within a handful of years, I found that I, you know, had a best selling book and a podcast, you know, that was really succeeding and an online community and a lot of different things that I think on paper, it was like, oh, check that box, check that box, like all the things I thought I wanted. Um, and, and I did. They were huge blessings. And I'm so thankful for, you know, that success that I was able to have. But I also think there was a point where I realized like I was really driving myself into the ground and really just chasing the allure of achievement and not really thinking through like, what do I actually value? You know, and and do I have to achieve all these things by 30 or by whatever arbitrary age sometimes we set? So there was a big kind of turning point for me at 25. And that was when I really started to go, hmm, what am I doing? You know, like it all looks good on paper and it sounds great on a podcast intro, but like, is it really serving my life and my future family and my marriage and these things that are really lasting and that you don't get all the fame and recognition and, you know, shiny titles for. So I've had a really big shift in perspective over the last couple of years. And that's really impacted how I work and how I do things. And that's a really big part of that new book, um, Embrace Your Almost. But yeah, I mean, it was a lot very early on in my life and that definitely impacted me in many ways. (laughs) I can imagine. I mean, I'm 25 at the moment. I mean, I've got I got this podcast. I got my first ever book coming out. Awesome. I sort of, I sort of know like a little bit, but not to the extent that you know in terms of fame and notoriety and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that you sort of realized at the age of 25. But I'm curious before we dive into more of your book in just a moment, what does success look like for you? Yeah. You know, I think the way that I've come to define success, I mean, it's only been a couple of years since I was 25, so I'm still learning and growing in this area, but at least for me, I feel like it's ultimately come down to making sure that I'm doing the things that align with what I value. And that actually matter to me, because I think the world has a lot of definitions of what success looks like. The internet gives us a lot of ideas. We're constantly being fed ads of how to double your business or how to reach this next pinnacle of success or this next level. And all that stuff's great. 
But a lot of times I think as, as a result of constantly being inundated with that message, like I just kind of started arbitrarily pursuing goals that I didn't even really think through, you know, they didn't really have anything to do with what I really wanted to build. It just sounded like the next right thing. So success has really, for me, become not, it's not about avoiding doing those bigger things. I'm still writing books and it's still, it's just ultimately like learning how to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things and understanding that the right opportunities aren't going to pass you by. Because I think sometimes, especially when we're young and things are happening and we have goals and we're trying to establish ourselves in our careers and all that stuff, um, we can almost have like a scarcity mindset, like one big opportunity comes and it's like, if I say no to this, this is my one shot, you know? And while there may be some cases where that's true, most of the time I've learned that if it's the right opportunity for you, it's not going to pass you by. And if you're trying to force yourself to make it work in a time where you're like, you don't have the capacity or it's going to like drive you into burnout or it's not right for you, then like, that's not success. That's just like a scarcity mindset of like, this is my one shot, you know? So it's really become about understanding how to say yes to the right things, no to the wrong things and making sure that the things I do pursue are aligned with what I value. Yeah. You mentioned goals there and, and finding the right kind of goals for you. I mean, we kind of live in this world where we're chasing these these false versions of goals, if that if that makes sense. Like we we want these, you know, the fame, the success, and notoriety. We're we're chasing that version or the world's version of what mm-hmm. success looks like. And then when we when we achieve it, we have this like like emptiness feeling for yeah. For a while. So how do we know what goals we should be implementing and, and really going after? Yeah, it can be tough to identify like what are the right goals for me, but that's like the biggest challenge. And one of the biggest things I even try to outline in my next book and, and embrace your almost because it's like, especially when things don't go according to plan, sometimes we can like grasp for straws, right? Um, so anyways, I would call it the single most important question. And that single most important question to basically allow you to audit every single goal or potential goal or even commitment that's currently on your plate is to look at every single one and ask one question. Why? <laughs> why is this a goal? Why is this something that I want to do? Let's say it's um, buying a four bedroom house. Okay. Why? And if you say, well, because we have a third on the way and we need the space so that our kids can, we can homeschool and this is the lifestyle we want to live and yada, yada. Okay. That's a legit reason. It's serving a bigger purpose for your family, for your foundation, for your, for your legacy, et cetera. But if it's like, oh, cause my friend bought a four bedroom house. So I feel like I need to, or because I thought by 32, I would have a four bedroom house. So I'm trying to make that happen. Like you're literally just doing that to either keep up with someone else or to meet your own expectations, but it's not even really a need of yours in this season. So All of that said, you know, it might be anything, but my biggest piece of advice is to look at everything you think you want, everything you're in the process of pursuing and start asking why, because that's really what happened when I was 25 and even going into 26, when I walked through some hard loss, some health issues some things that really just made me pause. And it kind of was jarring because up until that point, everything was going according to plan. Everything was easy. And then I started to go, wait a sec, I can't keep running at this pace. Like this is having a, taking a toll on me both mentally and physically. And when I started to ask that question to a lot of my work goals, professional goals, things that I was pursuing, I was like, do I need to have a multi seven figure business? Like, why have I started to believe the lie that I need to double my business year over year? Or am I happy with what I'm doing? You know, and so I just started asking why to all the different things I was pursuing and finding how to define enough on the things that I did want to pursue so that I didn't drive myself into the ground while also identifying like, oh, I actually don't really care to pursue this. I don't know why I wanted, you know, why did I put that pressure on myself? So that's my biggest piece of advice is to ask why. What's your why currently? Like what gets you up in the morning to continue doing the things that you are doing today? Like writing books, 
and sharing all the content online? What, what's your why? I think it goes back to even the original why that I had. And my journey has been a little bumpy as a lot of my, my community knows. And it, I share this story a lot more in the book, but you know, when I first started my small business in college, there was this like instinctual desire in me to eventually have a family. And I wanted the flexibility. I got married really young. I was barely 22 and I got married. I've been married for a handful of years now, but I knew that at some point in my life, I wanted to have a family and I wanted the flexibility to do that. So it started with that as a why and through all the achieving and all the checkbox, you know, checking off the boxes, I kind of lost sight of that. And it became more about the money, the achievement, the, the next thing, but when I was kind of reset a couple of years ago, I went back to that, like, well, that's really why I started. So how do I make sure I'm doing things that are conducive to that, even if I'm not quite in that season yet? And then the, it kind of evolved into a secondary piece of my why is I also want to provide that opportunity to other women, not only through the programs and the courses and the things that I teach in some of my some of my work, but also just even through having a small team of women who also want to be able to work flexibly and stay at home and, you know, those kind of things. So you know, it comes down to that kind of two part where I want to create that for myself and my own family so that I have options for myself and my family, but also for those who I get to employ or get to teach. And so that's really given me a lot of clear vision and the things that I think about adding or doing or taking on that don't align with that. I go, oh, that's not right. You know, that's, that's actually hurting the why rather than supporting it. What's been your biggest lesson? I'm curious about this. Your biggest lesson being married so young while still running quite a very successful business. Good question. Um, that you really can't do it all and that you have time. I think that's the biggest thing because when you do start young and you start hitting these big goals, I think, and I'm sure you can relate to this in some ways. I think what can happen is you start to feel like, oh, I've got to outdo my last accomplishment. Like I hit this revenue figure this year. So I need to like double that next year. Or I need to increase that next year. And if it goes down or if it stays the same, like we didn't make any progress. And I think that kind of, I got stuck in that mindset for a couple of years. Thankfully it wasn't super long, but for at least three or four years, that's kind of what I was, that was the place I was in. And I think my husband, we call him the string to my balloon, which means like, he kind of brings me back down to earth. Like he's like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Maybe next year. Um, and not that he holds me back by any means, but he just helps me stay grounded, you know? And so anyways, point being, I really had to, I think I've really had to learn like, okay, you have time. Like you don't have to do all the things you think you want to do in your life by the time you hit the 28 or 30 or whatever. And I think a lot of us need to be reminded of that because we can start to feel that rush and that hurry up. And we miss the, like, you know, we run through a goal and then instead of actually like celebrating that and enjoying it and like reveling in it and soaking it up, we're like, cool, next thing. Cause I'm in a hurry, you know? And I think that was the cycle I got stuck on. And it not only hurt me as from a health perspective, but I think it took a toll on my marriage too, because it was like, how do you build a relationship with someone when you're constantly like trying to achieve the next thing and on this like endless hamster wheel. So anyway, I've had to slow down in ways and remember like, it doesn't have to be achieved this year. If we don't double our revenue, it's going to be great. Like we're fine, you know, and I have to kind of keep that mindset. So that was a big lesson. I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all of us have had to learn a particular part of that lesson at some point in our life. I mean, yeah. I'm not married, I'm still single. So I'm yet to learn to the extent of with a partner, but yeah, yeah I've, I've had to learn some hard lessons <laughs> about chasing those, those highs, like you're talking about and, and then ending up in the very big lows. <laughs> totally. Um, well, and yeah. I think the big thing that we have to remember too, is like, we kind of try to live for the mountaintop moments, like hmm. the next achievement, the next award, the next goal that we achieve, et cetera. Um, but the reality is 
most of our life is actually lived on the journey and in the middle. So we better be walking that journey. Well, like if we're not doing it at a sustainable pace and we just keep believing the lie, like, well, once I get here, once I get to this level, once I get to this mountaintop, then I'll relax. Then I'll change my ways. It's like, no, no, no. You're just whatever, however you're doing it now. You know, they often say like, we believe the lie that when we have more money, we'll be less stressed or we'll be more happy or whatever. It's like, however you are with money now is how you're going to be when you have twice as much. It's the same thing with any achievement, however you're handling work and, and pursuing your goals and all the things you're doing, that is going to only be exasperated when there's more on the table. You know what I mean? When there's more at risk, when there's more to achieve. So all of that said, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a hard lesson, but it definitely um, is, I think one worth learning. And some of us have to learn it the hard way, but it's just, it's just important to remember, like most of our life is lived in the middle and on the pursuit, not at the mountaintop moment where everyone's like, yay, your book came out. Congrats. Or like, oh my gosh, your podcast had this cool guest or this reward or whatever. Um, so I always try to remember that now, because if we're not stewarding the steps on the middle, well, like we can get to the mountaintop moments and we're going to miss most of the good stuff in life. And it's also interesting as well, which is part of what your book talks about, I believe is on that journey when we're sort of chasing this one particular thing, but what happens when we don't achieve it? Like yeah. what happens if it's, there's that almost mm-hmm. what, what happens, <laughs> what yeah. can happen to people, you know? So are you able to speak more to what happens or what can happen to people that don't really yeah. achieve those things that they set out to achieve? Yeah. I mean, a big part of the reason I wrote Embrace Your Almost is because I think there's a lot of books about waiting and the uncertainty, and that's certainly built into the book for sure. Like we talk about that, but something that I don't see a lot uh, like written on or a lot of guidance on is when you are just a hair shy of your goal, like you almost hit your revenue goal or you almost got married and then somebody changed their mind or you almost like whatever this thing is, whether it's a professional goal or a personal aspiration, like the most frustrating thing is like when you are so close, you can taste it. And then something either goes wrong or trips you up, or you have to realize, Oh my gosh, I need to make a change. And it's going to hold me back from pursuing that or from achieving that goal. But like for my own health or my own, you know, family or whatever, I can't keep on this path. Anyway, point being that sense of like, just almost there. Like I was 98% of the way or 90% of the way. And then something happened and I had to go back to the starting line. It is so upsetting and frustrating because then it just makes the journey feel so much longer to where we're trying to go. Um, and so one big thing that I talk about in the book, and also I've just learned in my own life is that that is so frustrating. And some of those experiences are just disappointing. I didn't get the promotion I thought I was going to get. I was so close and I didn't get it. But some of those things are really devastating. Like I just got cheated on and I thought this was who I was going to marry, you know, or something that just like totally rocks your world. So it can be a varying degree of that. But when those things happen, as much as they are hard and sometimes heartbreaking, there's also this unique opportunity, I think, nestled in those experiences that we don't always see otherwise, because a lot of times those experiences are jarring. They kind of make us stop and pause. And sometimes they can be a perspective changer, especially if it's something like loss or heartbreak or something like that. And it can make us pause and kind of what I talked about earlier, look around and reevaluate what is it that I really want out of life? Because the the world is constantly telling us you can have it all and almost kind of implying you should want to have it all, all at the same time. And if you look at 98% of people's lives, like most people don't have it all, all at the same time, at least not for an extended amount of time. There may be a couple of years or whatever, where somebody seems to just really have it all figured out. But at some point we're all none of us are immune to something going wrong, to hardship, to suffering, to unexpected tragedy, to a setback. So like this idea that like you can have it all kind of creates this lie. And so I think sometimes when something goes sideways or wrong or sets us back, 
in a weird way, it's kind of a setup to one, get a reality check and remember, like, we're not immune from hard things coming up and getting in the way. But two, it also gives us this opportunity to pause and reevaluate and reconsider what do I want in a world that's constantly telling me I should want it all. Like, do I care to be number one in my industry? Do I actually want to double my business revenue? Do I, do I need to, do I want to break a glass ceiling? Like, or whatever the thing that we're told we should want is, or do I really want to have a family? Maybe I've just always thought I should want that, but maybe I don't, you know? And so it's this weird opportunity that comes in the most like unwanted and painful way to kind of go is what I'm pursuing what I actually want. And if it is, what changes do I need to make when I try that again? You know, and what adjustments can I make to really give myself a better shot the next time? But if it's not like, what do I need to set down? And what do I need to start putting more attention and time into? And that's really what I've learned over the last couple of years through my own almost and not quites and, you know, broken dreams and things like that. So that's kind of the big opportunity I think that exists, even if it's not an opportunity we ask for. For those people that are in the, that sort of season of life at the moment where they are going through some difficult moments and they're, they're really struggling to find their clarity and just see the other side, they're, they're getting stuck. How can we help those people get unstuck and move forward in their lives or really just embrace the current season they are in? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, because I've been in those times where I'm like, I don't have any motivation for the future. I just want to get through today, you know, and that can totally happen. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I wrote the book. There's a lot of guidance in there on like steps you can take to get some clarity because adversity can really create clarity in ways nothing else can. But one thing that I want to encourage you with is how to make the most of the middle, because a lot of times you're not going to get com- clarity on your future until you really kind of are where you are, if that makes sense. And so the way I describe it is like a boot camp season. Boot camp, if you think about it in like military terms, is truly preparing you for a battle. It's preparing you for the next like calling that you are going to be called up for, your next mission, right? And I think sometimes these times where things don't go according to plan, we get stuck, we feel like we're just kind of like reeling in a way. In a way, it can kind of be like a boot camp preparing us for the next mission, opportunity, goal, whatever it is that like is next for us. Sometimes we have to have these seasons of like, hold back or even suffering to kind of refine our character, refine our vision, get us, help us get clear. But sometimes that doesn't happen until we take some really active steps. Cause I talk a lot about contentment, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions about contentment that I even had. I thought contentment was like, you just sit there so peacefully. You're just so happy with where you're at, even if it sucks. And I'm like, wait a sec, that's like not realistic. You know, I think contentment is actually really active. It's choosing to do things to like your life, even in a season where you may not love it. And what I mean by that is If you look at this waiting period or this period where you feel kind of stuck or dissatisfied or not where you thought you would be, if you can look at it as a boot camp, knowing there is a deep purposeful mission coming out of this, even if you can't see it and it's still kind of foggy, treating that like, okay, what can I do to expand my mind, to grow as a person, to build my character, to make a difference where I'm at? That is what's going to prepare you. You may not know what's coming around the corner, but in that boot camp, it can look like, like I often share like during this season of my life where I've been like, I'm not quite where I thought I'd be. I learned to garden. I learned how to play poker because I thought that'd be fun. And I played video poker with my dad on a slot machine and I won hundred bucks. It was awesome. Like I didn't know how to play poker before. Do I need that as a life skill? No, but was it fun? Yeah. And it helped me bond with my dad. You know, um, I started reading books on things like women's health and finances and things that I really wanted to learn more about. I didn't know that we had an endocrine system. Like what the heck is that? You know? And I just started getting curious. So one big thing I would say, if you're in a valley, if you're like hiking up this mountain, you're like, oh my gosh, the pinnacle feels so far away. And I'm so frustrated because I was so close to it. And then I got sent back to the bottom and I'm starting over. Try to learn along the way. Like the point is enjoy the journey, but how do you do that when it feels like tiring? 
Try to find things to learn. Another thing I often say is serve. Like, and sometimes serve in the area of your pain. Like we have had so much loss in the area of our family building process. And I share about that a little bit in the book, but one thing that a friend encouraged me to when she was in a, or that she shared with me when she was in a single season and she was really struggling in her singleness, really feeling lonely, randomly out of the blue, she felt like she needed to go serve in a nursing home. She was like, those women or those people are so lonely and a lot of them don't have family to visit them. And so she started visiting and just like sitting with residents and reading them books. And she's like, it just kind of helped me get out of my own head. And so focus on how lonely I am and allowed me to use my lonely season to bless others in their lonely season. And so she shared that with me. And then through like my season of loss and things like that, I was like, really, it came back to mind. And so we started serving with a family called or with a program called safe families, which is where you help families in crisis. And you take in infants and kids who are like, you know, uh, children of homeless, you know, homelessness or just in crisis situations, and you can help prevent them from going in the system. And that has been so healing and so empowering and so life-giving for us um, in a in a way. And so many people are like, isn't that so hard for you? Like after a loss and everything else. And to a degree, it's like, yes, but it's also like, it's kind of like refusing to remain bitter, you know, and it kind of like softens your heart and whatnot. So serving can be huge. Learning can be huge. Finding ways to take care of yourself. Like this has been a huge season for me to focus on health and supporting my body and supporting my mental health. And I think that's only going to serve me well in the future when the next season comes, you know? So that's just a few tips and ways. And I give a lot more ideas in the book, but look at this as your boot camp season to be more present, to be more still, to grow, to really refine your character. Cause it's only going to last a certain amount of time. It may feel like it's dragging on forever, but the reality is like eventually it will come to an end. And I think the challenge is who will I be when it does come to an end? Am I going to be a better version of me or am I going to be a bitter version of me? And so I really just encourage you to take some active steps to not only make the most of this season and to try to find ways to like it, even if you don't love it, but also to prepare for what is eventually coming. That's really good. Thank you for sharing all that. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to me. I know we I know we can't share everything that's in the book. That otherwise that would be defeating the purpose of the book. We'll be here for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> a copy of the book. Uh, but Jordan, I, I do want to be respectful of your time. We might have to pick this up uh, with another conversation, uh, but yeah. I've got two more quick, quick final questions yeah. for you. If that's okay with you. Yeah. When in your life, when you least expected God to show up in a big way that he did and that challenged your perspective of life and who he is? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think, I honestly, what I was touching on was serving, even in the area of our pain, you know, it's like that seemed really dumb at first, especially when I was asked to take on a newborn. I was like, I don't know if that's a terrible idea. You know, is that going to upset me? But you know how sometimes when something goes wrong in your life or you're hardened or you're hurt, sometimes it's like, even as you do a lot of healing work, there can be like a little corner of your heart. That's still hard. That's still bitter. That's still angry. It's like through serving, I feel like God took his finger and like put it on that little hard spot and like softened it in a way I didn't expect. And it really taught me that like sometimes the most sanctifying thing we can do is serve in the area of our greatest defeat, our greatest disappointment, our greatest devastation and our even our greatest pain. And I don't suggest doing that like two seconds after the pain happens. It's like you've got to take some time to process it. But in my experience, like after taking a little bit of time to heal and grieve and do all the things I needed to do, the Lord has really used serving in an area I didn't really want to serve or really expected would be like, you know, a blessing to heal me in ways I didn't expect to be healed and give me perspective in a way that I didn't have before. After those loss and those hardships of your family, did you find it difficult to actually serve? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really want to say yes. I kind of like kicked the can down the road, but what was interesting is 
it felt like it kept coming up. You know, those times where you just keep getting nudged. (laughs) It was like annoying. I was like, fine. But it came up when we were first married, actually at a church that we went to. And I remember immediately feeling drawn to it because I wasn't ever really sure I would want to do like foster care, but this is like kind of foster care light is how I would describe it. And when we were at church, we were 22 years old, newly married. And this opportunity was talked about. And I, I nudged Matt and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Well, then we found out you have to be at least 25 years old to be able to do it legally. And so I was like, well, bummer. Okay. Well, then a couple of years passed, we got really busy. You know, it just never was the right season after that. And then when we were finally, or once we were finally old enough, there wasn't really a right season for it. And then what was interesting is about a year after some of our loss and whatnot, I was talking with a friend who'd been involved with that program as well as foster care. And I was just telling her, I'm like, you know, I want to find a way to serve. And she was like, what about safe families? And she brought it up again. And then literally like later that week, it came up at the new church that we go to out of the blue. It hadn't been come up. It hadn't come up for like four years. And so I just was kind of like, I feel like I need to pay attention to this, you know? Um, So yeah, it was definitely hard to say yes to. And I was even hesitant and my husband was hesitant, but little bits at a time we go, you know, I was like, fine, I'll, I'll put the application in, you know, okay, fine. We'll do the home visit. Like it was just one step at a time to get you closer and closer. And that's what I just want to encourage everyone to with like anything that feels hard to do. You don't have to like jump into the deep end overnight. It wasn't, it wasn't like we didn't actually start doing it until we had really been through the process for like four or five months. So I think you can remember like, you don't have to start doing the thing tomorrow. Maybe just take one step closer to it and move yourself 1% closer to the direction you're feeling led or like you need to go. Um, that can make all the difference. And as you take one more step at a time, it just becomes easier and easier rather than like, oh my gosh, I have to cannonball into the deep end and like do it immediately. So that can be really helpful. And that really helped us. You wrote a book called Own Your Every Day. And I'm curious, how can someone, because your next book is about embrace your almost, how can someone own their almost moments every single day? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, You know, I think the biggest thing is, and it's interesting because there's a, there's a similar um, thread in the messaging, even though they're different books and different ideas. Um, because embracing your almost the big thing that I talk about is like really being intentional to get clear on what you really value. And sometimes broken dreams or when something almost, but then doesn't quite work out how you thought, or you find yourself in a waiting season as a result or dealing with the unknown that can be really overwhelming. Um, and, and in a way, sometimes it forces you to pause and kind of look around and reevaluate, like, what is it that I'm pursuing and why, and am I going in the right direction? And sometimes the thing that didn't work out, you realize is truly something you really value and you want to continue to pursue it. But some of these other things that you've been giving a lot of time or energy to kind of actually start to reveal themselves to be more like distractions or vice versa. Um, and so anyways, to do that on a daily basis, I think part, the best way I can say it is to get really clear on why am I doing what I'm doing in all things? Because when you embrace your almost, what I mean by that is not like you just sit down and go, well, I guess this is the way it is. It's saying, no, I'm still going to keep working toward the thing I'm hoping for. I'm still going to keep moving forward, but I'm going to try to make the most of the journey in every way that I can, because the journey can feel really long or frustrating or tiring when life isn't working out how I thought it would. Um, and so it's about embracing this mindset of like, how can I make sure that I'm cultivating more of what matters to me? Because the world is constantly telling us, you can have it all and therefore you should want to have it all. And there's all this pressure to do all these things. And sometimes we never actually stop to consider like, well, what's the right, what are the right things for me? And so to to answer that question, like that's true in a big scale, like what are the big things that I'm pursuing? But then even just on a daily basis, like is what I'm doing today in alignment with the things that I said I value and the things that are, that are important to me, or am I getting caught up in the things I think I should be doing or could be doing? Um, 
and sometimes it's, it's, it's ironic and it's not always the most fun time to think about this, but I've found like through my own almost and unknowns and waiting and broken dreams and all of those things, those moments that really kind of cause you to pause and they can even be jarring and make you like look around and shift your perspective a little bit, just because you're not running forward at hundred miles an hour. Sometimes the broken plans or messed up dreams, like kind of cause you to take a second to look around and consider all that you're doing. Um, and so I guess my best answer is, you know, really kind of always coming back to are the things that I'm doing in my daily life in alignment with the things that I really actually want to be pursuing, or yeah. are they starting to be things that are distracting or taking away from what I've said I value because I've been told what I should or could do. So that's my best answer for that. I really think it's on a macro level, but also on a micro level, it boils down to what action steps you're taking on a daily basis to make the most of your life, whether you're on a mountaintop or you're stuck in the middle of a valley. And even if you do end up with everything you could ever wanted, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're content, right? Totally. I mean, I think that's the biggest lesson that sometimes the, uh, the middles or the unknowns or the broken dreams teach us because, you know, we almost have to learn. I I always talk about the difference between active and passive contentment, because I think sometimes we think if we're content with where we're at, even if we're not where we thought we'd be, that means we're complacent. Um, When in reality, complacency is more like sitting down and just saying, I give up. I don't care. Um, Versus active or contentment can actually be very active. It's practicing doing things that are meaningful and, spending your time in a way that is intentional, not just bumming around and whining and pouting and sitting down. You know what I mean? It's not to say that there might not be moments where you need to do that. Like we all have to, you know, deal with the frustration that can come with a long process. But um, I think what can happen is we have this idea that when I get X, I'll be happy. When I get Y, my life will start. And then we miss out on so much of life that we actually get to live before we get X or Y or Z, right? And so I think it's really important. And that's a big thing I talk about in Embrace Your Almost is shifting your mindset from when I get this, then I'll be happy or then I'll be this. Because a lot, I mean, how many times have you had that happen in your past? Look back at your life and say, when you, you thought when you were 16, you could drive, then you'd be happy. Well, immediately then it became, I want to be 18 and be on my own, right? Or immediately I want to be 21 and whatever the next like, milestone is. It's like this, the, the finish line will always move. So make sure that whatever finish line you've crossed or wherever you're at in your journey, you're also celebrating because otherwise it's never going to feel like enough. And that's from an achiever perspective, that's like the downfall of every achiever is we never let anything be enough or be good for today because we're always thinking about tomorrow or the next thing that will make us happy or we think will make us happy. So that's kind of been the biggest challenge for me. And that's what I share in the book. And it's funny because I'm like the least qualified person to talk about this in the sense that like, Uh, it's the very thing that I've always wrestled with. It's like, I'm always like, okay, on to the next thing. And so that's even part of the reason why I wrote the book was for me to flush through like and flush out, like this is a big lesson we have to learn and apply in our lives. Otherwise we're just never going to be satisfied. I think we're all learning on the journey of life and we're, yeah, I I think it's good to learn from someone that I guess knows a little bit more than what we do. (laughs) And that's right there with you too. the idea of contentment, right, is is that different to fulfillment or are they both similar things? That's a good question. I think that they're quite similar in many ways. Um, but I think there's one differentiator, and that's, that is when you're content even before something is fulfilled in your life, that's kind of the, I think that's the one differentiator because I think you can be content and not, um, and, and still feel like there are things that are incomplete, So that's why I say contentment isn't complacency. It's not like you're like, okay, cool. Everything's how it needs to be. I'm going to chill now. It's saying, okay, 
things aren't how they, I want them to be. And that is frustrating. And you know what, right now I'm really frustrated, but dang it, I'm going to do what I can to make this journey a little bit more enjoyable or to make this middle season or this waiting or this not quite where I want to be moment, like a little less miserable. What can I do to cultivate more of what matters to me? How can we get really clear on what does matter to me? So yeah, I do think that they're very similar in many ways, but I think the one differentiator is that sometimes when you are learning to lean into what does it look like to be content now, there still may be some things in your life that are unfinished or unfulfilled. And you may still feel that hole. Like you may still feel that like void of like, gosh, I really thought I would have a partner by now. Or I really thought that I would be more fulfilled in my work. That doesn't mean I'm not content in my life or I'm not seeking to lean into contentment in every way possible. But yeah, my work still isn't really fulfilling me. I'm trying to create a life I really like and that matters to me and that feels good and like feels in alignment with what I value and what I'm called to do outside of that and around that. But there may still be areas where I feel like, gosh, that's still just like a longing desire of mine that feels unfulfilled. So I think they can coexist. Um, and sometimes they can be very similar, but at times when you're content, there's still things that feel unfulfilling. And that's why I think it's so important to do the little things that do bring that sense of contentment because there may be those areas that aren't fulfilling at this time. Yeah, I, I think you're right. They do coexist and it, it sort of does depend on the situation, the way I look at it. I think contentment can come first, depending on which situation you are or you, you do find yourself in. That helps you not to get complacent. So then you can go back on a journey of working towards ultimate fulfillment in life, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, that's the way I see it. <laughs> I agree with you. Yep. Yeah. How do you look at the what if scenarios in life? Because I know that embracing almost like can be hard for a lot of people. I know it's hard for me, but these what if scenarios, they tend to come up a lot of the time, especially with these almost situations. Like it's kind of this natural thing we find ourselves doing. Um, how do we control those or should we control them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the one thing that I was challenged with, and it's still a challenge for me, I, I think it's just only human to ask like, well, what if it goes wrong? Or like, what if this never works out? Or what if, you know, it continues to be this way forever and I'm just stuck here until I, you know, I don't know, like until my life is over. Like it can be that we can go to the worst case scenario really quickly. And something that I was challenged to do when I found myself kind of spiraling in that question of these endless, like, what ifs, I was always going to the worst case scenario. And I, I had a friend share something with me and it was basically just like, well, but what if it like, just basically you have pretty much just as high of a likelihood in the sense of like, it's kind of a 50, 50 shot. Like it could go bad or it could go good. Right. And I think we focus so much on the what ifs of like, what if it never works out? What if it continues? What if I continue to get my heart broken? What if I just never get the promotion? What if, what if, what if, and my friend just challenged me. She's like, what if it does work out? Like that, that's also the other half of the coin here. And we just don't always focus on that. And so it was just kind of like allowing yourself to be realistic and understand that it's very possible. It may not, but it's also very possible that it could. And so just treating them equally, like what if it does work out though? What if it works out in the way I never expected? What if it works out way sooner than I thought? Like there is that, and it can feel silly because I think sometimes we guard ourselves from being hopeful when we've been disappointed before. When something didn't work out the first time, when our dreams have been completely delayed or even seemingly destroyed, it can be really hard to be like, yeah, let me be positive about that, you know? Um, but I, I do think there's, there's a gift in just allowing, like uh, as much as hope can feel like denial of reality at times, there's also a gift in allowing yourself to understand like, 
I'm only looking at half the picture if I'm asking what if on the on the negative side of things. And yes, maybe my experience in the past influences how I see the future, but it doesn't have to dictate the future. And I think that's the biggest thing because I think we get stuck in the tension, like in the present, we often, when we've had experiences that haven't worked out or things that we've hoped for that went wrong in the past, the past naturally influences how we view the future, which then creates anxiety in the present, right? Um, and I think I just personally have to often remind myself like, the past influences my view my view of the future, but it doesn't dictate actually how the future will go. You know what I mean? Because we often draw on our past experiences. So yeah, I think that's the best thing I can say for that. I like that. It makes a lot of sense actually. Because yeah, what if scenarios are something that I struggle with? Like I remember having a conversation with my, my ex-girlfriend and she asked me a question. She goes, what if we weren't meant to be together in the future? And I go, well, that's never going to happen because I don't focus on the what if scenarios and I would never allow us to be be apart. But what she was trying to get me to understand was that we weren't going to be together and she was trying to re- relieve the, the blow that was about to come around mm-hmm. the corner that I didn't expect. And it was funny because when the breakup did happen, here I was who the pride, the proudful man saying that I didn't focus on the what ifs. And that's what I was doing was focusing on these negative what if scenarios. And I was just absolutely utterly miserable. So it was an interesting, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting thing. Well, and, and you may be now given that experience, you know, that was probably a very difficult experience. And like you said, it kind of came out of left field, like just totally unexpected. I think what can, how that can influence like life going forward is you could say, what if every relationship ends this way? What if this happens again? What if, you know, I'm blindsided again and it can, it can start putting walls up and it starts to influence how we move forward in the future. And so I think that's where it's also like, it's natural to ask those questions. And in fact, I think it's fair to ask those questions, but I think as long as we can try to also say, but what if it doesn't happen again? What if the next relationship is the right one? Like, and just holding both of those things is like, I always say, the biggest challenge is the tension of holding both disappointment and possibility at the same time. And we can, you know, cause I mean, even in the book, I talk about when your dreams come true for everyone, but you, right. Maybe at the same time that someone broke up with you or you went through a heartbreak or a loss or something in your life, it seemed like all your friends got engaged, right. Or like all your friends had kids or all your friends got a promotion. And it just seems like everywhere you look all of a sudden the thing that's painful for you and that you're asking, what if this never works out? Or what if this happens again? It's like for everyone else, it just seems to be clicking. And I think the hardest thing to remember is like, sometimes that can be more of a reminder of what has been painful or disappointing for you in your own life. But I also try to lean into like, it can also be a reminder of what's possible. Like there's not like, I think it's not, my my husband always says something like, um, it's not a zero sum game. Like just because someone else found love or got the promotion doesn't mean that like that takes away less chances for you. Um, Even though we often see it that way. And for some reason, it's just because I think we view that happening for others as a reminder of what's painful when at the same time, it can also be a reminder of what's possible and just learning to be like, it can be both. It can be a reminder of what's painful and also be encouraging because it's also a reminder of what's possible. That doesn't make it any less painful, but it just kind of brings the full picture because we get so focused sometimes when we've been hurt in one way or another or just discouraged or let down or frustrated. We focus so much on the, how does, we focus on the negative. Um, so I think sometimes seeing both pain and possibility or, or holding both disappointment and possibility at the same time is really all it takes to at least just give us like a little bit more of an equilibrium rather than spiraling into worst case scenarios. It's funny that you mentioned this because I was actually speaking to a friend of mine the other day about this very thing because 
we're both in that she's younger than I am. I'm 25 going 26 this year. And it kind of feels like all my friends are younger than me. They've they've all got married. They've all got full-time jobs. And here I am still with a part-time job, got a podcast. I mean, it's got a book coming out at the end of the, this year, not in a relationship, got all these things happening on the, on the side. But it feels like in some way I've gone backwards. It it, it seems that way, but I haven't. <laughs> um, maybe because they've got a full-time job and they're married and they're doing all those things that the world tells you to do. And they, that may be so for them and, and they're content and I'm happy for them. And here I am, but it's just interesting. Just like I am where I am today because that's my choice. This is where God's led me and I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be happy and content in this moment, this season of my life. And I know that the reality is like, I think you can also like, it's totally, I think the thing is like, being happy and content, at least what I've had to learn, doesn't mean you always feel happy and content in your situation. Sometimes you are like frustrated. And sometimes you're like, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm having a hard time because I just feel like the only one, you know, or I feel like that's what, that's what the whole feeling of almost is even about. Like, you know, I was in a relationship. It looked like it was going to be my forever. I thought this was my plan. And I was on track with everyone else. And then all of a sudden, every, like everybody kept going and I stopped and actually feel like I went backwards. And even though that's not the truth in one way or another, and a season of your life felt like it got put on pause and even like held back and everyone else has moved forward and a pretty significant area. And that's how I felt when we walked through pregnancy loss. Like I was, I should have a two-year-old, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I feel like I've gone backwards in life. This is very strange. Even though I've advanced and grown in so many other ways. Um, sometimes when those things like almost happen and then you're blindsided by it going wrong, that really does create some sense of grief or hardship. Like that's not to say like immediately you just become happy and content. I mean, it took me a long time to get to that place where I was like, okay, I've had to like come to a place of acceptance of this is part of my story, but it's not my whole story. Um, and also at the same time, contentment, I think even going back to what I was saying about active versus passive, like active contentment is also partly being honest with yourself. It's not, I'm happy and it's great. Cause that's what contentment is. I think that's even a lot of times what the church tells us contentment is. It's just like, you're smiling and you're happy. And I often think about like, if you go to like the Bible stories, like Paul in prison, I'm like, do you, like he was the guy that wrote like I've learned to be content in all circumstances do you think he was like overjoyed and loving prison probably not but that like he like he could equally look forward to the day that he would get out and learn to like make the most of where he was and I think that's what this like dance really is it's like I look forward to the day that I'll finally meet my babies on earth you probably look forward to the day that you'll meet you know the love of your life like and you might long for those days and some days you might feel extra lonely or it might be extra hard but in a big picture what are like you're doing things that are meaningful to you right now you're writing a book you're podcasting you're sharing messages with the world you're using the time that you've been given to prepare and grow as a person like that's i think what contentment is it's this active choice to say to acknowledge like this is hard today and i'm frustrated but you know what i'm gonna let myself feel that for a sec and then i'm gonna get back to doing the work i've been given to do and i've been called to do and i'm gonna do the things that are meaningful to me and i'm gonna use this season intentionally to make sure the waiting season doesn't become a wasted season i think that's really what it is it's not just like pushing off the feelings of loneliness or sadness or discouragement all the time because that's not honest right so it's allowing yourself to feel that at the same time saying but then after i feel the feelings or i get frustrated or i have my moment now i'm gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my attitude to but what can I do with this? Like, how can I see this as an opportunity, not just as an obstacle? So hopefully that makes sense. But I just, I mean, I want to encourage anyone who's listening to remember that like you can be happy and content and you can still have a moment or a day or an afternoon where you just get sad 
or it's frustrating and it's hard because that's, I was just hiking this morning in the mountains and like, I was behind everyone. Cause everyone here is six foot tall and I'm like five, four. And so everyone has longer legs and I'm like easily 10 yards behind everyone the whole time. And I finally figured it out at the end. I was like, I think it's because my legs are half the length as everyone else's. Um, but anyway, I, I, you know, even hiking, like there was a couple spots, like I loved the hike. I was trying to be as present as I could. I was off my phone. I was breathing in the mountain air. My, our dog was with us. Like we were having a great time, but there were still some steep spots where I was like, Oh, I need to catch my breath. Like I need to sit on a rock for a sec. Cause I'm tired. And the journey to whatever it is that we're hoping for, whether that's marriage or a job promotion or a family or the home that we call our own or something else, like it's very similar. It's like, you can enjoy the hike as a whole and do what you can to wear the most comfortable shoes and be with people you love and right, try to make it more enjoyable because it may be challenging. And there still may be parts of the journey where you're like, I'm wiped. I don't know how if I can keep going, right? And that's, I think, where acts of timid really looks like that intentionality and that honesty at the same time. It's very encouraging to hear you say that actually. So thank you so much for sharing it all. I think I needed a, another reminder in my life. <laughs> it's, it's good to have that. And I wrestled with it myself because I was like, how can I write a book on contentment when there's still days that I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating or like, I'm still mad or I still have these feelings that are like coming up. Like I haven't just sealed the envelope and been like, and now I'm happy, right? Like, it's not like that. And so that's where I wanted to write a book on like honest contentment and like what it really can look like and not create this kind of facade of like, so just like now be happy, right? Like, cause that's not, that's not what most of us experience. It's, it's about, I think it's even more, more than happiness. Cause sometimes our feelings don't match our experience. Like sometimes we could have be having a great day and still feel sad. Right. Um, so that's where I think it's more about like contentment is really like, are you pursuing a, and building a meaningful life, even in the middle, even if it doesn't always feel happy? Like, I think that's what it really is, you know? And I, I think that's what I've had to shift into is maybe if I pursue meaning, happiness and joy and contentment will follow versus if I pursue happiness and just try to keep up happiness, it's going to crack because that's like, there's going to be days where I'm not happy. There's, there's things that feel outstanding in my life. I've gone through grief. I've gone through trauma. I've gone through heartbreak or whatever else somebody else might be going through. So anyway, I just, I try to keep that very realistic and honest view of contentment. And that's kind of what comes through in the book. At least I hope it comes through because otherwise I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be writing from an authentic place. I love this message and I really do believe that it's going to help so many people. Where do you want people to get a copy of this new book? Uh, the best places for you? I mean, Amazon, the shop, that sort of thing before I ask the final two questions. Yeah, you can find the book anywhere books are sold. Um, there's a, a, well, and I don't know if this is like worldwide or I think pretty sure in the US specifically, but in the US or, and I think online with Target, you can get an, a boat like a, special edition copy where there's bonus content in it. So if you want an extra chapter where there's a little bit more interesting kind of behind the scenes of even just the writing the book and the almost that occurred in the process of writing the book, that's in the Target version. And then Barnes and Noble has a signed copy. But honestly, depending on where you're located, ordering it anywhere from, you know, from anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, even indie bookstores, like independent bookstores are great. We love to support them. So yeah, anywhere that is easy for you to grab a copy, I fully support. <laughs> I mean, go Target. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Barnes and Noble would be the one to have all the extra content, not Target, but hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well done, Target. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how awesome is that? Well, I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of the book if they're in America, Australia, that sort of thing. I'll work it out. So make sure they, they go and get it. But this is a new question that one of my guests actually 
Uh, he sparked it. Like he, he gave it to me the other day and I thought it was a brilliant question. And you're the second person I'm asking you to. So you're going to be my second guinea pig. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Hopefully it sticks. But uh, what is the plot that you are currently in the middle of your story right now? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, I think, hmm, I'm trying to figure out how to like word my best answer. I would say I am in, okay. So I, after I went through loss and then had some health issues and just kind of like really slowed down, I feel like I'm back on like a climb for the first time in a while. Um, and I don't really know what's at the top of the mountain. Like I don't even, meaning I'm like, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to go, but I know I'm in the process of launching a book. I have like hope in my sales again for the first time after spending a lot of time, like healing and working on my health and writing kind of in secret. And it's like, now it's coming to this point of like, I get to put out into the world. I get to step back into like kind of a season of going. And so I don't know. I think the plot is I'm pursuing the things that are the most meaningful to me. And I've learned how to release the things that are no longer, that are distractions because my broken dreams and in-betweens and the seasons I've walked through the last couple of years have really kind of stripped away the impurities and been really refining. Um, so I feel really uh, clear on like the, the, the vision I'm pursuing and the steps that we're taking and why we're taking them, but I don't know how, what the outcome will be, I guess is what mm -hmm. I mean. Um, and that's, I mean, that's kind of what the book is about. It's like, try to be very intentional to, or no, I'm not saying this right. Let me say this a differently, but a different way. It's really a, like, give your all to the things that matter to you, even before you see the outcome of your pursuits. And I think before I was giving my all to the things that not only mattered to me, but also that I thought would be cool to do with the expectation that if I worked hard enough, the the, the outcome of my pursuit would be what I wanted it to be. And I've had to, I'm, I think I'm now pursuing good and exciting things, but with a new lease on life and this reality of like, I can't always control the outcome. I can only control the effort and I have to like mm -hmm. keep my hands open to what that's supposed to become. So I don't know if that's like a plot, but that's kind of like where we're walking and what, and the journey, what the journey looks like now. No, I like that answer. Well done. I know it's sort of, it, it is a difficult question to answer. That's why I love it. <laughs> I, sure I have the word plot correct. <laughs> like make sure I like actually under, like I'm going into what that means, but yeah, that's the best thing I can say in terms of like what life unfolding looks like right now in the story that I'm in the process of living. It's basically another way of saying what stage of life you're currently in right now and what's coming up for you. That just a creative way. That's why I love the question actually. Um, but this is my all time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end of my conversations. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? That's really good. I, I think when it comes to what I would want it to show, I would want it to show a person who's available to what matters most. Um, because I've spent a large part of my adult life being unavailable to what matters most, chasing the things that I thought were important and are not. Um, not alert. I mean, I haven't been an adult that long, but you know what I mean? Um, so I think that, like someone who's available for family, who's available to drop everything and show up when you need me. 
Um, and I also think um, when it comes to what I'd say, a big lesson that I have learned and that I think I, I really try to um, instill in others who have a similar spirit of like big dreams and want to do something with their life is to remember that life comes in seasons. And I hope that people will have seen that live in me because there's this like hurry and hustle, hurry up and hustle. I think that can, can drive a lot of what we do just because of how fast paced our world is and how much access we have to seeing what other people are doing. And I think I want to model that like, it's, you can do a lot of things, but you probably shouldn't be trying to do them all at the same time and understanding like, like there's a lot of things I have in my, my mind of what I'd like to do in life, but I understand like that's something I should do in my forties or like, maybe I'll revisit that in five years. And when I'm closer to 30, 31, you know, like 32, like I have had to learn that like there are seasons for everything and this hurry up and hustle that we feel to just like do it all and get it all done. And, you know, get married by 30 and own a home by 30 and make partner by 30 and build a seven figure company. But like, there's just so much by this like arbitrary age. And at 30, I just threw out there, but to you, it might be 25 or to you, it might be 45. I think just constantly going back to like, I just want to make sure that the things that if there's any time sensitive things that are important to be doing in my youth that I lean into those first. And then later in life, I focus on the other ideas or vice versa. Um, so anyways, I just hope that my life models that like, it's okay for life to come and see, like to, to live your life in seasons and to do the right things for that season of your life, even if it seems not very glamorous or exciting. Um, and to know that it's okay, like it doesn't all have to be done right now. So I hope that that's modeled, but that would be also something that I really want to pass on to those who would want to learn from me or who in the next generation and feel even more of that hustle and that hurry up. Um, just to know, like, you can't do it all at the same time and you shouldn't try because you're really going to miss out on a lot of the really good things in life if you do. Mm, that's a great send-off message. Mm -hmm. Jordan, thank you so much for your time once again. I know this has been, yeah, it's been great <laughs> for me. I'm so bad in this. I don't even know if this video will be shared, but if it is, I'm traveling. So this is what we have to deal with today, but I appreciate you having me. And um, yeah, just making this work. It's been a huge gift to get to chat with you. really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 